and welcome to Galsplained. The podcast where two best gals explain anything and everything to each other better than any man ever has. <laughs> this week, we're diving into some quick and easy redecorating tips to freshen up your space and the pagan origins of our beloved holiday traditions. Yeah, you could Google it, but isn't it more fun to learn it from a friend? I'm Michelle. I'm- <laughs> I'm Claire. <laughs> um, hey, Claire, I got a bone to pick with you right off the bat. I, you said this right before we started, and she wouldn't tell me what it was, and it makes me really nervous when people say this kind of stuff because of my Enneagram. I just want people to be happy. Okay, Well, go thanks ahead. for the transition, Claire, because it's about Enneagrams. Okay, oh, so no. after the podcast, I went and looked up my Enneagram like you told us to. I did my homework, and you said... In the podcast, you said, there is only one person who I can relate this to you in the real world, and it was George Costanza from Seinfeld. I said, that's the only one I wrote down. No. And I went and looked, and Princess Diana was on the list, all these amazing people, and I was like... Okay, the only person she wrote down for me was George Costanza. I just thought it was funny. We've been rewatching Seinfeld. That's, uh, there's so many wonderful people on every list. And if I had kept all of them, the episode would have been like an hour of just listing names. Anyways, I thought that I just had to say that Princess Diana was also <laughs> the same as me, uh, just for the record. But I also uh, did actually have an experience with snaking my drain. I did do it. Hitting us with both topics from last week right off the bat. I really could have been our own recess today, honestly. Uh, (laughs) But I decided to just put it right in right here. I uh, (laughs) had a mishap happen uh, with the half a cup of baking soda, one cup of vinegar. For any of you who did uh, science fairs in elementary school, you probably were laughing at me when I said that, because I bet that that's the exact same solution used in those little volcanoes. Oh my gosh! Because I put it together in a cup, like a cup, a pitcher thing to put in my drain, and it just bubbled over like one of those volcanoes at a science lab. It got everywhere. Oh my gosh! I felt so dumb. I th- I bet it does work. Like, I bet it's supposed to do that. But you're just not supposed to, like, mix it like that. Or maybe you're supposed to do it slower. So uh, let's uh, fact check ourselves next time. <laughs> we'll try it out before we give the tip next time. <laughs> yeah. But I will say the hot water in the tea kettle thing did work. That was oh, a good. really cool tip. Well, Michelle, I wanted to talk to you before we dive into our part one, our first lesson here, about a movie that came out recently on Netflix, uh, just because we're about to hit some holiday topics in the weeks coming forward. And this movie is called Holidate with Emma Roberts. Have you heard of it? I've heard of it, but I steer away from Emma Roberts stuff. (laughs) I will talk about this in a future episode, so this is a little teaser for what's coming in a few weeks, but I love Christmas holiday movies. I love the Hallmark ones, the Lifetime ones, the Netflix ones. I've seen them all, Uh, literally every single one, so I am so excited when this stuff kind of comes around, and I was excited for Holiday. It's about this 
girl that just needs a date for the holidays and this guy that doesn't want to get serious with any girl for the holidays. And it follows them through a year uh, from like Thanksgiving to Thanksgiving of just going to different holidays with each other. I was expecting like heartwarming, sweet. It was so raunchy sometimes. It caught me off guard. Oh. I was watching with my mom. Oh. And I'm all for like a dirty, raunchy Christmas movie. I love Bad Mom's Christmas, but it like was just trying to differentiate itself from other movies by being dirty and like going overboard and being like, look at us, we can push the envelope because we're Netflix. And there was no purpose to it. They would say things out of nowhere, completely out of context. And like, it just, some of it made no sense. And it was, it made the characters really unlikable. They, they should have either gone like full raunch, funny, comedy, or stayed in the Netflix rom-com Christmas zone. Mm. That's how I felt. Yeah. Also, well, I shouldn't, never mind. <laughs> what? I was going to talk about my Emma Roberts hate, but I don't want to get hate for hating Emma Roberts. Well, uh, that was my little, I, I still, I would give it a solid three out of five. I enjoyed it. Watching it, I would not watch it again. It will not go on my yearly list. In a few weeks when we talk about Christmas movies, we're going to talk about my favorites. And I recommend everybody watch the movie Christmas Inheritance on Netflix before then. That's homework at the start of this episode. You have homework. (laughs) Yeah. Christmas Inheritance. Uh, You want your heart to be warmed. It will be warmed. Oh, wow. Yeah, my heart's cold currently. So I need that. Um, but speaking about keeping my home warm, Claire, <laughs> how can you help me feel at home during the holidays? Well, Michelle, I-, I think that this year more than ever, we have spent a lot of time at home. <laughs> um, yeah, a good amount. <laughs> I-, I don't know if it's just me, but I get really tired of spaces when I'm in them for a long time. I think we get used to the stuff around us, like like the decor stuff. That's what I'm going to be talking about t- today. The We see the same throw pillows, the same picture next to our bed. We have the same candle, the same fake or real plants in the same spots. And when we're used to our decor, we're not stimulated by it anymore. I know I feel really affected by my space, like my the energy that my space gives off, I, I think it really cultivates a mood. And I am spending most of my days in my space. So why not give it a little bit of extra care and attention, especially as we're probably going into a little bit more of a lockdown and it's cold out. I just want everyone to like love their space and, and love the place that they're spending time. Mm. Yeah, I think that's really important. Yeah. So I don't know about you, but after a few months of everything looking the same, I get like kind of an itch to change things or move things around. Oh my God. I literally changed up my room, like hung new decorations, did some stuff about a little over a month ago. I already have like new plans to do different stuff to my room. I'm like already over it. I'm going to dive into a few Claire Hanlon tried and true tips to redesign, reorganize, and make a few quick aesthetic changes that can really transform your space. I want to point out that none of these tips involve permanent changes like painting a wall or even semi-permanent like 
adding kind of expensive removable wallpaper, buying new decor, buying new furniture. I'm just giving you some tips to work with what you already have. You're ready to get into it? I'm ready to get into it. Awesome. I have six tips in honor of our sixth episode this week. (gasps) Six episode. Wow. Perfect. (laughs) So tip number one, this seems like a no brainer. But it's no matter how small your space is, move your furniture around. I I don't know about you, but when I was in middle school and high school, I would call my dad in every few months and be like, would you help me move my bed like this? Would you help me move my desk over here in front of the window? It it seems like a no brainer, but I feel like we rarely do it. We have we move into a space and we put our stuff in one place and it just stays there. That's a really good point. I mean, my room is the size of literally a big, big closet because I live in New York, (laughs) as we've talked about. And uh, my bed has always been in the same place because the only other place it could be is scooted down to the other side of the room. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Honestly, thinking about moving it there because yeah. it's just uh, I'm very used to it. Well, and the cool thing about furniture is you could just move it back if you don't like it in a few weeks. Yeah. Like leave it there. Try something else. We we have this office slash guest room, second room. And I know in the last six months of working from home, I have moved my desk probably like three different spots in here. And I'm about to move it again so that I can get better sunlight because the sun is dwindling. Yeah, <laughs> these days. Back to so the winter blues. Yeah. So I'm going to move it in front of the window for a little bit. And then when I don't want it there anymore, I'll move it someplace else. So just try something new. Move your stuff around. You can move it back. This is me telling you, yes, you can. All right. Thank you for the permission. Of course. <laughs> so tip number two, and I think this is my favorite tip. I call it shop your own house. And what I mean by this is take all of your decor from all the rooms you want to change. So we have three rooms here, like a living room slash kitchen slash dining area, big open space room. This second um, this second room, that's like the office slash guest room slash storage and then our bedroom and also counting our two bathrooms as well. So I took all of the decor from every single room. All our plants, fake plants, artwork, candles, little tchotchkes, decorative books, and I piled them all on our kitchen table and I shopped my house. I cleaned everything first. I I recommend that you clean it so it's all shiny and new. And I put new things in different spaces. So I found that things that I had bought or collected, I like them for a reason, but they get stale when you leave them in the same space. So like I had this little tiny painting and little tiny fake plant in our like second bathroom here and I love them both but I had left them in there for like five months and I don't really go in there much I don't see it much so just being able to like now I have that little plant on my desk here and just being able to move stuff around a little bit it freshens up your space and you don't feel as set in stone of like, this is where this decor piece lives in my house. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it's hard um, for like people like me who live with roommates, for instance. And so like you don't have much decorations already. So like for me, what I do since I don't really I have to live with less is trying to figure out what is the most important of what I have and like figuring out, okay, what memories can I like keep in a box for now that maybe might become Mm -hmm. more fresh later? Yeah, I love that. And I think also 
using your roommates to your advantage of like when you live with a roommate, if you do this little like shop your own house, (laughs) shop your own room thing, if you have like a little painting or a fake plant that you're feeling kind of stale, you don't want to see it for a little while, ask your roommate if they have something you could trade them with for a few months just to freshen up your room and their room. I think it's a fun idea. I've done it with some friends before. Ah, yeah, that is smart. I, we also, like, in our living room, we used to have, like, just a normal kind of lamp in there. And uh, over quarantine, we were, like, kind of getting tired of it. It was very bright. And so my roommate, Mel, we took from her room this lamp that she had in there that was, like, this really cute lamp that shaped like an old telephone, you know, with, like, circle and everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, now that's her in our living room, and it's totally – it totally changed everything this past summer for us. We were like, oh, it's so cute. Yeah, I think one change can really transform your space. It can make it feel like fresh and new again. These items that you've seen a lot can feel fresh and new again. And even if a lot of little changes really add up. So you can't like paint the walls. You can't like buy all new furniture, even like buy a new rug. But you can move little things around and feel a little fresh. And your eyes are won't be used to seeing those things in those places. You'll get stimulated every time you see something new where you were expecting to see something else. So tip number three, this is to DIY or do it yourself. You do not have to be super crafty for this and nothing has to be perfect. This tip kind of came because, comes with a story. We have a kitchen table that was a hand-me-down. It's functional, it's sturdy. I I love the history behind it. It was my grandmother's. But it's not cute. (laughs) It's like this dark, dark, really weathered wood. And we have really dark floors. So it just felt really dark. I wasn't wanting to like sit at the table and really do anything. There's no windows around it. It was kind of a dark space. So I was browsing online as you do when you're getting bored with your space, looking at like extremely expensive things on Etsy and like different tablecloths I could buy and cool centerpieces. And I found this really cool um, mud cloth pattern. Have you heard of that before? What's mud cloth? It's like a style of painting that is very abstract and very line focused. So I came across this mud cloth patterned table runner and I loved it. And it was $49, so I did not buy it. But I have a small set of acrylic paint from the craft store. I've had it for like 10 years. (laughs) Probably not that long. But it was like 10 bucks. And I have this $2 table runner I got at Ikea. And I actually ended up cutting up a sponge and dipping it in the paint and using the sponge to like create my own mud cloth pattern. Jeff came home and was like, where did you get that? And it was so cool to be able to say, I made it. Like, I made this myself. All right, DIY. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't think, I think people hear DIY and they're like, oh my God, I'm gonna have to make 10 trips to the craft store. I'm gonna have to like put something together. It's not gonna look good. Also, like, I I feel like if I see something I make, sometimes I'm proud of it, but eventually I'm like, oh, that's that thing I made. Like, oh, gross looking. Yeah. And I... I feel like something as simple as like tablecloth, table runner. Um, I have a few other suggestions of things you can DIY too. 
it, just putting a little paint on it, changing it up a little bit. And then when you're sick of it, roll it up, put it in the cabinet, replace it with something else and bring it out again when you're ready to freshen up your space. So I think you can put a little paint on like the outside of your candles. Um, if you have like kind of cheapy candle holders or anything like that, you can paint a little fun pattern on it or a word. Um, I like to paint our old frames also which has been fun. You can just paint them like solid white or paint a pattern on them. Um, and my favorite thing that I've done also with paint is I used to have a big poster hanging in the back of like the office room. I was in it a lot. I was in Zoom meetings a lot. So it was in the back of my Zoom meetings all the time. And I was just so sick of looking at it. I got it for $5 on Amazon. And I ended up flipping it over and just painting something else on it and using that same poster that I had as the new canvas for a new painting. It's not perfect, but it's fun to hang up for a few months and it was free to create it. And then you can just like constantly add whatever you want to it because it's just to hang there while you're... Uh looking at it and something to look at and enjoy. Yeah, our space is for our enjoyment. And I feel like so often we're so concerned with it looking perfect and everything being like really together. But no, like just let your space stimulate you, let it inspire you. And this goes along with tip number four, which is make small seasonal changes. Um, this is the only tip that I have that involves buying something. So instead of every year or so getting sick of like my throw pillows and blanket in the living room, we have like a spring and summer kind of throw blanket and two little throw pillow situation. And then we have a fall and winter one. And the fall and winter ones are cozier and plusher and darker colors. And just changing a few things really does transform the space without having to store a whole new set of all these things. I know people go overboard with changing their decor for the seasons. And I just change a few candles and like our fuzzy blanket and that's it. And it really does change the whole space. Oh, absolutely. I mean, just Christmas time and holiday time in general is just that like all the time. You're always decorating your inside space to reflect the holiday season. Like, I only got a Christmas tree, really, for the first time last year. Well, it was, like, a game changer because we had that. Then we had the menorah. And then we had, like, our pillow on the couch that has a reindeer on it. Um, and this year I actually invested in something for my cat. It's a bed that's shaped like a present. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah, it's on its way. I can't wait. She goes inside and like there's like a little jingle bell ornament that like hangs from it and that she can knit. <laughs> oh, I cannot wait. Yeah, I, I love that. It's like a small little thing that you can do that will really brighten your spirit and also doesn't cost a lot of money. No. So tip number five, you kind of alluded to this earlier and I'll go through it really fast, but it is just tidy it up. I think I'll dive more one time into Marie Kondo and her whole life-changing method of tidying up, which is asking your items, does this bring me joy? Um, we talked about her show in the reality TV episode, but I do want to say in my experience, really cleaning and purging items can help freshen up your space and more than anything I I was going through my items uh, I had like this box of old cards my aunt sends me probably three or four cards a week and they're really beautiful and she has this cursive loopy handwriting 
And I decided instead of them sitting in this box in my closet, I was going to take a few out and frame them. And I feel like I'm getting so much more joy out of these items like being out in front of me. And I did say goodbye to a lot of items in that little keepsake box as well. But I, I'm actually using things that are important to me. And it's a good space saver too. I always have a really hard time with hoarding personally. Like I, I, I get things that give me memories and I'm like well I don't want to throw it out because like what if I want it in the future and it means a lot to me but eventually you just have to be like okay what is really important but I have like two boxes that I somehow store in my New York apartment <laughs> first of all if you can take a picture of it and get rid of it and it will hold the same sentimental value a picture of it as it will the actual item I say do that that's smart yeah but also I like to give myself for tidying up the 2020 rule which to me is if you can replace this item for $20 and get it in less than 20 minutes, why do you still have it? So if you have like an item that you haven't used recently that you feel like you don't need, that you won't need in the next year, but oh, maybe I might need it moving forward. If you can get it for less than $20 and get it in less than 20 minutes, throw it away if you haven't used it and if you're probably not going to. Only good thing the number 2020 can be used for, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> I'm going to use right. that in the future. That's really smart. Thank you. I did not come up with it. Um, <laughs> I thought you coined I it. I was like, that's, in, that's really impressive. They call it something else, but I just call it the 2020. Oh, you um, gave it a new name. Yeah, yeah. And Got it will it. live on forever in that name. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> So my last tip, which I think is pretty predictable, is think about your space from all your senses. So how you see the space. I encourage you in this specific season to let in as much light to your space as much as possible. Center your room around your windows. Change your light bulbs like you were talking about earlier, moving your lamp around. Um, turn on your lamps instead of using overhead lights. Oh, I do that all the can... time. I hate overhead lights. Yeah, because it really changes the mood of your room. And I, I think it's really important. And then your smell. So I'm a big fan of candles and essential oils to set a mood. Even if you can't physically change anything about your space, you can have a little collection of essential oils and change the scents to help let a new mood into your space, which is still stimulating. Um, and then the last thing from this thinking about the space from your senses is what you hear. So using music to set the mood of your space to me, is just as important as the actual interior design itself. Yeah, we're constantly like putting on different music using our Alexa um, <laughs> to like help help the mood, especially this holiday season. Like the jazzy music, we're like, okay, let's start with the autumn jazz, but not the Christmas jazz. Ooh. You know what I mean? Really set that mood. Ooh, yeah. you're making me really want to put a candle out today. Yeah, I have two going right now. So. Michelle, what are you going to implement of my six Claire Hanlon tips? I think I'm definitely going to move around my space soon. I don't know exactly how, but I think I just need to move my bed. I want to maybe think about getting a desk instead of a bookshelf to put my um, recording set on. <laughs> I'm going to use some candles, maybe uh throw some things away, use the 2020 rule. I think that's what I'm about to do. I love it. And 
I do want, I, I hope that the people at home feel inspired and invigorated uh, in your space as we are all trapped inside for the next little bit. So Ooh. please share with us if you do any of these things. I hope it was helpful. Yes. Thank you so much. And oof, I think there's a bell ringing. I think it's time for recess. Welcome to recess, Claire. (laughs) (laughs) I'm happy to be back. My favorite time of day as a kid was recess. (laughs) Well, you know that it was Thanksgiving last week and, you know, it was hard to listen to some stuff amid the turkey and the pie. But you know what? Some of you did want to hear a lot about shower drains last week. And some of you are also just as passionate as me about shower drains because we did a poll on our Instagram story, right, Claire? We did. We did a poll, which we had record engagement on, (laughs) which is so funny about people's preferences in two types of shower drains and then two types of tub drains. So shall I share the results with you, Michelle? Yeah, I mean, I might get angry at some of our listeners, but let's do it. (laughs) The difference between the shower drain that is a circle with slits in it versus a circle with holes in it, mm-hmm. our audience preferred holes. Yes, as as you should. I can see the appeal of slits. It's not bad to have the slits. I just feel like it's harder to clean in some ways. It looks more industrial to me. Mm, yeah, that too. It reminds me of yeah. camp. And then in our uh, tub drain debate, the difference between the pull-up Uh, Tub drain. I'm doing motions for Michelle, but I realize I can't do that for everybody listening. (laughs) I think it's helping your words. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, The pull up uh, tub drain versus the kind that is uh, you flick like a switch and it it, still has holes in it. Yeah, yeah. It It has like little holes in it, but there's like a switch. Yeah. Yeah. Our audience preferred what I prefer the pull up. No, because the hair still goes down that one. It's okay, you guys. I like, I understand. Our audience like overtook that one. Our our first poll, it wow. was like 60-40. That poll, it was like 75-25. And that's rounding numbers. I, Not accurate. I feel attacked, personally. I also wanted to say we took to one of our Instagram posts, which someone made. Um, which detailed the different Enneagram types as nine different fictional characters. So characters from The Office, from Parks and Rec, Twilight, Schitt's Creek. We we had a lot in there. And we got quite a bit of engagement on that post, uh, especially people relating to me as a number two, which we described as Jess from New Girl. <laughs> She's such a two. I've been watching New Girl recently. Um, very interesting to look back on after not watching it since high school. <laughs> it's funny. I recently rewatched it too, and uh, it, it makes me like teaching even more when I see Jess in certain situations. Aww. You're a six, which makes you Ron Weasley. Yes, I'm Ron Weasley. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Um, I love Ron. Because he's, he's got the dog Patronus. I'm okay Don't with that. Don't even know what that means. Oh. all right well that's about it for this recess i think it's time to learn about some 
winter stories, don't you? Oh yeah, let's get wintry. So we're going to start getting into a little bit of holiday stuff this season, just because, you know, why not? It's going to be Hanukkah, Christmas, whatever you're celebrating. Um, And I think it's interesting during this holiday season to have as much cheer towards it as possible, especially with, you know, how we're all feeling this year. Um, And so just right off the bat, Claire, I want to know, what are some of your favorite holiday traditions? Ooh, uh, very vanilla traditions of decorating, decorating the tree, uh, hot chocolate, peppermint. I wish we had snow, but there's no snow. Yeah. And then, oh, Christmas sweaters. I love Christmas sweaters. I have a Christmas sweater and a Hanukkah sweater, just in case, you know? Yes. I think, like, for me, I don't have any, like, Christmas traditions, obviously, because I don't celebrate Christmas. But like Hanukkah-wise, I always look forward to the first day of Hanukkah and lighting the candles and eating a ton of gelt, which is just chocolate, essentially, and uh, playing with the dreidel with, you know, my family. Um, But, you know, this year's a bit different, just like Thanksgiving was a bit different in that, you know, we can't really be around family that much. Uh, So... I'm just going to be spending all that uh, with my roommates just like Thanksgiving this year. But we're not talking about our current Christmas plans. No, we're talking about our past Christmas plans. So I've always heard at least that paganism is the reason for like all the festivities that we celebrate on Christmas and Hanukkah. And like that's where all these like traditions really came from was paganistic rituals. But I looked it up and paganism is not a religion. I feel like I should have known that paganism is like a name for like a ton of different old religions where they had multiple gods. Huh. And so it's kind of like, wait, I lost the word. I was going to say it's kind of like polygamy, but I meant to say polytheistic is what I meant to say. Um, it's basically like old, these old religions. Anyways, so I looked more into it because I was thinking about doing another like origins of the universe, but this time with paganism, but that's kind of broad and it's not very like specific. There's not one creation story for paganism. Um, mm-hmm. and I looked more into specifically what Christmas time came from and Christmas time happens uh, around the winter solstice which means that warmth is coming soon longer days are coming soon this warmth means harvest soon and Mm. also going back to your winter blues episode there's not much electricity there's not any electricity in the olden days so this sudden turn of more light means more happiness so people are like celebrating the days getting longer oh i love that yeah And the reason that Christmas specifically is in December and not spring when a lot of people actually think he was historically born was because the Christians were trying to uh, appease all these pagan religions and pagan societies to slowly accept the transition into Christianity as a religion. Like, oh, we'll put it around this fun holiday for you guys, incorporate a lot of your festivities, and uh, see, you can still celebrate like this, but like, look, now it's because Jesus was born. So. Wow, political move. Well, that's, hey, allegedly, (laughs) 
I'm not right, I'm right. not implicating anyone because this is just a lot of the idea of where these came from. Right. But that being said, did you know all this? Because I feel like we've talked about this before. And like, how much are you aware of where these traditions came from? Um, I would say somewhat aware, but I'm not really aware. Uh, I, I did always find it a little curious as to like why we do certain things to celebrate this holiday uh, with our trees and the food that we eat. But I feel like the creation of Santa, everyone like just grouped grouped everything in with Santa and like the North Pole, it's Christmas all the time. So people were just like, oh, Christmas time is when the North Pole becomes the world that made no sense but that's <laughs> the world. that's uh that's where i'm at with that uh that's not so much. that's so interesting and also like i didn't even research much on saint nicholas that saint because i really focused on the pagan right festivities but i mean you're totally right santa is a big grouping of not only saint nick but then a lot of these origins and not only the things we're about to discuss today but like even more um, belief systems. And I don't even think I got into it. Like I started researching about this and like I told Claire, like I need a little bit more time because <laughs> I just went down a whole rabbit hole and I, I think I barely even scratched the surface of where all of these festivities were taken from. I think it's okay because the movie, the old claymation movie, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, kind of explains like beat for beat factually um <laughs> why don't laugh it's history (laughs) uh like how the burger meister meister burger the villain kind of was keeping uh saint nick from coming down and giving the children toys he banned toys in the whole town anyways it's a really factual it's a factual movie for the record burger meister i again as a person who does not celebrate christmas Burgermeister. Why was his name Burgermeister? Did they make that up for the movie or is the name Burgermeister an actual thing? I have no idea. I've never heard it before that movie, but that movie really set the tone, I think, for what (laughs) Christmas is. And it just made us go, oh, like, that's why. But we didn't really dive into the real reason why. (laughs) Oh, see, because Burgermeister to me sounds like the mcdonald's guy who steals burgers doesn't he like that's what i really think of yeah i'm into that well uh good to know that he's out there stealing burgers and christmas for all of us i don't know i haven't seen this claymation movie in a long time but on to where these traditions came from the first thing that we'll start with is saturnalia remember when i did my origins of greek mythology episode and i talked a bit about the god Cronus, who was the god of time the Greek god of time and how, you know, he overthrew his father by cutting off his junk. And uh, he was the like Titan god of time, whatever. Well, Mm -hmm. the Roman name for Cronus is Saturn. And uh, he was considered as a Roman god, not only the god of time, but also the god of the harvest. Because when the time moves past winter, what happens? They can harvest. (laughs) (laughs) so saturnalia in the midwinter was the roman festival the roman pagan festival celebrating saturn um and it was supposed to be on the winter solstice and uh because you know he's time winter solstice actually used to be on december 25th on the old calendar instead of december 21st hence christmas um and lucian of samosata said when he wrote 
something as Saturn, like in the voice of the god Saturn. Saturn himself described the week as this. He said, during my week, the serious is barred. No business allowed. Drinking and being drunk, noise and games of dice, appointing of kings and feasting of slaves, singing naked, clapping, and occasional ducking of corked faces in icy water. Such are the functions over which I preside. So that uh, that sounds like senior week of college. <laughs> <laughs> It sounds like a lot of college parties. Um, <laughs> essentially, it was. It was a huge festival of absolute mischief, uh, which is why there was a person on Saturnalia called the leader of misrule, uh, which was a person that they chose every Saturnalia as a mock king who would dress up like Saturn and he was allowed to do rowdy things like chase people and play pranks. So it's kind of like your dad dressing up like Santa on Christmas, but instead of being jolly and like, you know, being nice and sweet, he's like pulling a prank on you. It's like when Dwight in the office dresses up like Belschnickel. <laughs> Literally, Belschnickel or whatever is probably just, they took that from leader of misrule. Absolutely. I love it. <laughs> Like, this is supposed to be a crazy time. And it's supposed to be weeks. It's not supposed to be just, like, one day. This happened for a week. And also when it said feasting of slaves, I think this is important to note that the slaves were treated as the masters. Like, they kind of, like, switched social classes during this week, allegedly. Um, And, like, the slaves at the time were allowed to sit at the head of the table instead of the masters. Um, Which, you know, slaves are terrible. And that does not make these masters any better for having slaves. But... That is a thing to note that they put social class like on its head for this one week, which is really interesting to me. And I think that this is even more interesting. So you were in the show Twelfth Night in college, weren't you? Yes, I was. Do you know where the name Twelfth Night came from, Claire? When I did the show, I did. (laughs) Now it has escaped me. So Twelfth Night by Shakespeare, is a Christmas play, in my mind, because the word Twelfth Night actually is in reference to the 12 days of Christmas. If you're really interested in Shakespeare, you'll understand this reference. I think it's really interesting because I'm like a huge Shakespeare nerd. It's a co- it's a comedy by Shakespeare. And mm-hmm. um, Christmas is absolutely never mentioned in this play. I think that's important to note. And the characters in it, like Fess the Fool, Sir Toby, Sir Andrew, and Mariah, they actually represent the Lord and Lady of Misrule. So they're supposed to be there causing shenanigans. The whole uh, thought going along with this play, Samuel Pepys noted in 1663 that the whole thought of this play was to mimic the rowdiness of the holiday revelries, even though Christmas is absolutely never mentioned. Wow. And all the stuff about, uh, you know, class being on its head during the whole play, like that's a whole thing in this show too. So Twelfth Night is a Christmas play. I, I did know it was a Christmas play, but... We did it 70s themed, so it did not feel Christmassy at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's super interesting because I, I never knew that either before researching this. Um, and I feel like I never see Twelfth Night in like through a Christmas lens. And then also knowing that how had all these pagan themes throughout all it, like uh, Lord of Misrule and uh, class lines being blurred. I think that's just so interesting. But also along with Saturnalia, uh, a few other little fun facts about it is that 
the evergreen during this time was a symbol of new life during darkness and despair. Hence the Christmas tree. Oh, Christmas tree. Oh, Christmas tree. <laughs> Beautiful. But yeah, so Saturnalia brought us uh, giving gifts, uh, lighting candles, feasting, and merrymaking onto our modern holidays. But that is not the only holiday that we use from old times in our new times. Because there is mm. also the Yuletide. Now, have you ever uh, read or watched Harry Potter? Because that's how I know the Yule. Um, I have seen some. Yes, so there's a Yule ball in Harry Potter for all my Harry Potter freaks out there. Um, we call ourselves Potterheads, as I did in high school. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. Oh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, in, in Harry Potter, it means absolutely nothing. They just dance around and it's uh, wintertime. But... Uh, there's actually a Yule, the Yule and Yuletide is a huge holiday and it's a lot of the inspiration for Christmas time, especially in the Germanic area and uh, Norse area and Celtic area. Um, and the translation actually is Alban Arthawan. That's the Yule. So the thing is, is Norse and Celtic are two different things. So we're going to start with Norse, which is kind of the origin of the Yule and it kind of transported into Celtic area mythology. So starting with Norse and Germanic rule. So the Greta saga said that the Yuletide was a time of greatest mirth and joy among men. It was believed, ooh. yes, ooh, it was mirth. believed the night <laughs> when the magical barriers went down. Kind of like us always calling this the most magical time of the year. It's the most wonder. Maybe I should just <laughs> sing random songs that reference to what you're saying i was doing the same thing though where i was thinking in my head it's the most magical time of the year (laughs) while writing my notes and i was like wait it's wonderful not magical (laughs) i kept messing it up (laughs) but yule and make the yuletide gay that's a whole thing oh yeah Mm -hmm. and then there's the yule log do you ever have a Yule log? I I don't know if I've ever had a Yule log. It's like a chocolate no, Swiss roll looking thing. Oh, but it no. was originally an actual log that uh, people would burn, and it would burn as long as the Yule time, and it basically was the beginning and start of Yule. And that would be about 12 days because it was a big, big log. (laughs) It was said that each spark represented one calf or pig born in the spring. Um, And it also was uh, a lot of good luck in their faith to have the Yule log burning. And storing the remains of the Yule log under a bed protected people from lightning strikes. They would also roll wheels of pine down the hill and light them on fire in honor of the sun. Very similar to a wheel of pine called a Christmas wreath? Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> they would decorate trees with statues, foods, and gifts. Kind of like a Christmas tree. And there was a lot of significance, at least on the north side, of mistletoe. So mistletoe was made because the god Balder was scared of dying. So the goddess Frigga swore to him, which was his mom, she swore to him that nothing could ever harm him. And she swore like on everything in existence. But she forgot to say that mistletoe wouldn't harm him. So the god Loki killed him with a weapon made out of mistletoe. Her teardrops became the white berries on the mistletoe. But later he came back to life and Frigga turned the mistletoe into a symbol of love and fertility. Hence 
the kissing tradition. Oh my gosh, we have mistletoe. I didn't know there was so much backstory to it. I love it. Yeah, those berries, next time you look at it, are little teardrops. <laughs> we have it duct taped above our doorway. You should, <laughs> the duct tape is a symbol of uh, great, <laughs> great love and passion because it because binds us together. Yeah, we're always going to stick together. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> On the idea of Santa Claus, there's a few Norse myths that maybe helped with the invention of Santa Claus. For instance, Thor was said to bring gifts to children on his chariot guided by two goats. And there were elves that were known for making gifts. And those elves were called Odin's men. Now on the night of Yule, Odin was said to cross the skies, rewarding the good and punishing the bad. And by punishing, I think they actually meant killing. Um, so a little- oh, so- Coal wasn't an option. It was it was death. Yeah, a little darker than coal. I think you became the coal with your ashes, mm. actually. <laughs> um. Oh, God. <laughs> but, Michelle, where was Rudolph? <laughs> actually, I didn't even write this down because I wasn't going to mention it, but uh, Odin did have a pet deer, but the deer had, like, eight legs or something like that. So Did it have a very shiny nose? Um, I'm not quite sure that he did, Claire, unfortunately. Oh, so are you telling me that's not based on fact? I'm saying that Rudolph is fact, uh, but he's not based off of Odin's deer. Okay, good. Two good. different deer. Phew, that, that's another great claymation. <laughs> I, I do love that one. That's one of my faves. Yeah, me too. Um, all right. And have you ever heard the term wassail? Oh, yeah. There's a great song called wassail. Do you know what wassail means? No clue. I sing the song with pride, though. <laughs> As you should. Wassail means to drink to your health. Oh. And it is also the name of an alcoholic holiday drink. So to go a wassailing was basically trick-or-treating for adults because they would be like, let's go drink. And they would go to people's houses and beg for drinks or figgy pudding. Oh, Bring us some figgy pudding and bring us some figgy pudding. That yeah, one. Literally trick-or-treating. And they did all this caroling and trick-or-treating and wassailing to walk through the orchards and be as loud as possible. Can you guess why they wanted to be as loud as possible at nighttime? In the orchards? Mm-hmm. To wake up the plants and tell them to grow. That's absolutely correct. Really? Yes, actually. <laughs> they, the trees they believed were hibernating. And they wanted to wake up the orchards so that, you know, it could be springtime again. And this is literally where Carolyn came from. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> I think that's so fun. But that's mostly like Norse uh, Yule. Celtic Yule, uh, I, it was a bit harder for me to find information on it. And it's also probably a bit similar to Norse because I think it originated from Norse Yule. But Celtic made it a little bit more because they believed in Druids, which is like elves and stuff. It, they believed that the Druids were their priestly class and it was kind of their time for gathering mistletoe. And they mistletoe was very sacred to them because it was, you know, this very green and alive leaf and flower and berries on I don't actually know what a mistletoe is specifically if it's a plant or a flower. But it grew on like a kind of dead host plant. So it's very sacred. So they would collect it with a golden sickle. 
But also Celtic Yule is interesting because more because of the winter solstice aspect, because I found that the Oak King and Holly King were these two beings, and I guess Celtic mythology, that would battle it out on every solstice. And on every winter solstice, the Oak King would win. And on every summer solstice, the Holly King would win. So winter solstice was really important because that meant the Oak King was about to take the reins away. Um, And I'm going to just leave it on the Oak King's rule there. That's about all I got for us today. Michelle, speaking of caroling, though, that you mentioned, it reminded me, do you remember in high school choir uh, how, like, on the last, first of all, no offense to a lot of high school, like, the last day before winter break is just a joke. Like, every class has a party, there's candy flying, there's, like, movies. A lot of times you're, like, sharing or presenting some, like, winter project you worked on. And in choir, we used to go around to all the classrooms and sing carols. Yeah, I absolutely remember that. And I loved caroling. Like, I don't care that I'm Jewish. I love the Christmas holidays. They're very fun. (laughs) I've never celebrated Christmas, like, myself. Like, you know, just not in my family. But I love the holiday season. So I loved going and caroling at people's classes. Yeah, it was so fun. <laughs> That's about it for today, folks. Follow us on at Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And I hope you have like a really good holiday season. Yeah, keep coming back for more holiday content. We're going to try to dive into a holiday-related topic uh, every week for the next few. And for your homework today, please tag us in a story or a picture of your changed-up, redecorated space. Mm-hmm. And let us know... What's your favorite holiday tradition? Yes, I can't wait to hear. Subscribe, rate, and review, and we'll see you next time. Bye!